0: Welcome to Witch City Witches, a podcast from Salem, Massachusetts, exploring the practice of witchcraft. I'm Anna. And I'm Becca. And today we are,
1: our focus is going to be on superstitions about witches and, um, and how people fear witches throughout history. But first, um, the Chauvin trial just ended and uh, with the results that he's guilty. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And at the end, we might swing back around and talk about the fact that we are recording today on 420. So we have a variety of topics today.
0: So yeah, what was it? Half an hour ago, the Chauvin trial verdict came out and he is guilty of murder, which is a relief, but also surprising that we had to spend three weeks arguing about it, you know, given that it was on video.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of people were surprised that a lot of, um, other police officers, including, you know, the chief of police were coming out against him saying that, no, this isn't what he should be doing. And people were surprised at that. I personally wasn't surprised at that because they were trying to say that he's the problem. The institution is not the problem.
0: Right. It's that whole thing of like, you know, hashtag not all cops, you know, right. um, That is just a few bad apples. And so it's absolutely unsurprising that they would try and distance themselves.
1: Right. So I don't think so a lot of people like, Oh, it means so much that like, you know, they're coming out against him. And yes, that was historic, because usually the whole idea of closing ranks has come in very strongly. So that was a departure. But I think it was a very deliberate departure um, to say, you know, like, oh no, we're doing it right. We do have the correct training. We're not all murderers. We're not all racist. This was, you know, this one person was bad. Um, and yeah, you know, throw the book at him. And so they were trying to, um, you know, distance themselves from the overall conversation, I think.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. It's, you know, it's a strategic move. You know, it's it's a political decision. It's a PR decision. And there are several Black folks who have been murdered by police since then. like Within blocks of the
1: trial. Like, it's not even, like, in the country. Like, right there in the same city.
0: Right, during the trial. Right. So, you know, so yes, it's a sigh of relief, but also it's... It's not very much progress at the same time. Yeah,
1: I was reading some, there was like a meme or something that someone had posted, but it was basically saying that it had been 30 years since the Rodney King trial. And it was like 36 years before that with the Emmett Trill was killed and his his killers got off. Um, And so it's kind of weird, like, because I was in high school during the Rodney King trial. Like that doesn't seem like ancient history to me. I know that many of uh people listening to this are uh, like you know in their 20s and early 30s and may not have like lived through that. But you know, I was in high school when that happened. And so it doesn't feel like so long ago, but like in the looking back like all of this it's not it's not in the past, so much in our present.
0: Yeah, I for me, yeah, I, you know, I've been in the US now for 18 years. And I did not have even like an inkling of what racial tensions in the US were like before I moved here. You know, I moved here completely ignorant of any of that. And even 18 years in, I am still learning a lot and I'm just so astounded because, you know, at least internationally before I moved here, the US very much had that image of yeah, you know, that place you go to build your dreams and where everyone is welcome, and you know it's a, it's a nation of immigrants. And there was a time when that's how we saw the U.S. from abroad. I can't, you know, I don't think that that's true anymore. But it's hard for me to say because I live here now. And yeah, it's it's rough. Yeah,
1: so, I mean, so it is historic that they actually found him guilty on all charges and they didn't just, because I think it's kind of been moving in that direction where they're like, oh, well, it's you know, not guilty on most charges, but we'll give like one, you know, small misdemeanor guilty just to say that, you know, we did something. Um, right. So, you know, it's, it's definitely, it's good that the, this verdict happened, Um, but, um, but yeah, this there's, we need so much systemic change that it's, I think that it's hard to even fully articulate what needs to change. And, you know,
0: yeah, I, you know, I have to call in this Friday for jury duty to find out if I have to show up. You know, I've been called in for jury duty during the pandemic, and it's three weeks of on-call jury duty in the Boston courthouse. And I, you know, this is my first time being called in as a citizen. They tried all the time before I was a citizen, and so I never qualified. You know, I wouldn't even have to show up. And I, I don't know how to feel. I feel very strongly that I don't want to participate in, you know, a legal system that's part of systemic oppression. But at the same time, if I don't, then, you know, am I allowing it to continue being terrible? If I'm not doing my part in it, I don't know. I,
1: yeah, I've I've got a lot of feelings about it. I've been on juries twice. Um, It wasn't that sort of, I think what you've been called in for the, the three weeks, that's different. That might be more of a grand jury than a trial jury, because when I've had trial juries in Boston, it was a one day thing. Um, so I don't know if it's different or if they've changed the rules since I've had jury duty last, when I lived in Boston, they call you every three years on like clockwork. Cause there's so many trials happening in Boston. Cause it's the city, you know, it's the capital, um, that they need all the jurors they can get, but I've been on two juries. One of them was a criminal trial for, um, cocaine dealing and, um, it was pretty much I we we eventually did find them. There's two people on trial and we did find them guilty on most charges, but I I seriously I made the deliberations last for two weeks. I made the other people like, okay, no, really spell it out. Like like how did they prove this? <laughs> like and, and you know, there was, you know, we're like, okay, so yes. I, I finally did agree to it, but um, there is something called jury null- nullification, where um, you are allowed to vote not guilty because you think that the law is stupid. Like oh, it's, really? That's legal. It's called jury null- nullification, so you can you can look that up. Okay. Don't if, know if you tell them that in pretrial when they're doing the screeners, they just won't pick you.
0: Um, I mean, honestly, I was planning on wearing my shirt that has like big bold letters that say, which is against white supremacy. And I think that has a good chance of getting me kicked out anyway.
1: <laughs> but, um, and the other trial I was on didn't, um, it didn't f- finish the trial. It was a civil suit um, at Logan Airport. Um, someone had assigned basically a maintenance worker to do electrical work and he died. And so his family was suing. Wow. And um that didn't that trial ended halfway through because they settled out of court for about three million dollars. That's what the judge told us when they let us go, because they were gonna lose. <laughs> like well, because they, they like his supervisor couldn't remember who did the work assignments that day. It was the defense was a joke. But yeah, the, the criminal trial was just It was one of those things like, really this is as far up the chain you could get. These guys are not criminal geniuses. Like, (laughs) um, and one of them, oh God, one of their, one of them, their dad was a cop in Newport, Rhode Island. And like, we were all like, did you see his mom's face when she gave a character witness statement? He's been punished, (laughs) but, uh, and he was, he was actually, that guy was being charged a lot less, but it was just, it's really hard to do jury duty um and like really kind of weigh like you know but but yeah so anyway jury nullification is an option but um but yeah so it'll be interesting to see what the fallout is with this other um result and you know if we have a whole bunch of white
0: supremacists uh burning cars um (laughs) At least we don't have one in the White House in power. Right. So.
1: But, yeah, so, you know, big news today. Um, We just, you know, wanted to acknowledge that before moving on. And, um, obviously, I think we'll we'll have more to talk about that in the future um, as, you know, hopefully, you know, I say hopefully things will change. But how many... People have been shot with, you know, semi-automatic weapons, and where's gun control in the, this country. So you know, and I think civilian gun control and police gun control go hand in hand. Like um, I think that's one of the, the big issues that comes up is that um, it's all well and good to say that we should disarm the populace, but then we have to disarm the police as well because then you know, it's, it's very not fair. <laughs> Too, especially to a lot of um, to a lot of already underprivileged groups that are targets of police violence. That you know,
0: now all weapons
1: are banned. But um, I
0: don't. Well, know. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. You know that you brought it around to weapons, and since we do live in Salem, it's a little topical to this. Especially since now we're in the middle of our own discussion with our local government about a variance for a gun shop right at the edge of the most vulnerable neighborhood in Salem. Right. Yeah, it brings us always back to that point that we harp on repeatedly about social and political responsibility of being witches. But, you know, here in Salem, we do have a neighborhood that is where most of our people of color live. And unfortunately it is a neighborhood that has more shootings than any other neighborhood in Salem. Right. And you actually recently made the point about how we had a 30% increase in police presence and it has not improved. Right. The, the mayor had
1: posted on Facebook that like, Oh, these are all the things we're trying to do to combat violence. And we've, you know, increased the you know police force by 30% since 2006. And I was just like, and things have gotten worse. So that didn't work. What's the next plan. Um, I think uh, other than Anna and one other person, no one else responded to that comment that I made on the mayor's Facebook post. Um.
0: Yeah, well, only one person who's not the kind of person that I want to be talking to, but uh, anyway, responded to my pointing out that even though they've given an official count of five shootings, uh, there have been several that are unreported and that we know that because like, we know people who live in the neighborhood and it's happening in their backyards and mm-hmm. they're outraged. And you know, city government is kind of ignoring it. Yeah. And of course they ignored my comment too. So yeah, there's yeah.
1: And I think this brings us to the idea that all politics is local. That obviously this trial that ended today happened, you know, in the Midwest. It's you know, it's a nationwide issue, but it's not physically close to us, but we're having the same issues. Where we live, um, and um, you know, it's all it's all local. Like you can definitely, if the national, um, if the national issues seem too big for you, there's always something local that you can, um, that you can work to change, and you'll have a bigger impact because you live there, and it's it's a smaller scale.
0: Well, I feel like we could definitely talk about this for many many hours being you know two witches with a lot of political opinions but I suppose we should talk about what we actually said we were going to talk about today uh, starting with superstition surrounding witches and you know because I have my architecture background that creeps up I did research specifically on what I called anti-witch architecture and I actually found that there's like a term for it and it's not as specific as, you know, architecture to ward off witches. It's um, apotropaic architecture, which means having the power to turn away evil.
1: Yeah, it's it's from the Greek to turn away. Um, that's like where the Medusa face originally comes from is she was an apotropaic um, figure that was on that side of buildings to turn away evil. So um, yeah, I also have that word on my list of things. <laughs> um so i think that the the where this both this idea for this topic came up with both of us was in a local meme group somebody posted a picture of alternating tread stairs and said that um they were called witch stairs because witches can't walk up them and if anyone doesn't know what alternating tread stairs are it's basically they're sort of half stair half ladder where like each step is only half. And so you have to walk up. Anyway, there's a space saving measure. It's hard to describe, but um Anna and I both looked them up and that, that, that post was fake.
0: Yeah. Well, that made me really sad because it just got me thinking like how much time and energy are people spending on, you know, building things to avoid witches. And it made me a little bit Sad that the witches stairs weren't real, but you know, rooters.com tells me it's not. <laughs> <laughs> and but
1: and, and locally I want to say like the witch windows in Vermont is another thing that comes
0: up a lot. Well, I think we have a couple in Salem as well, but they're mm-hmm. basically windows that are rotated 45 degrees, so it looks like a diamond shape instead of like a squared off window.
1: Right. right? And
0: the the story there is that witches wouldn't be able to fly through them. On their broomsticks that way, right? And there's
1: a lot of there's a lot of like no one's sure if this was true or not, or if it was just a way to stuff a window into an attic. Because <laughs> uh, basically they turn 45 degrees because they follow the roof line, and they usually right. follow the roof line of like two different gables. So if there's like the house and then a chimney under, not chimney, a uh, a garage underneath. It'll be a little rectangle window flipped on its end to fit between those two roof lines. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of people say, no, it's just practical. Um, it's a new England thing. Um, Cause they don't want dormers. I don't know. One article I read said that it was because dormers make attics cold. And I had never heard that before. You're an architect. Have you ever heard that before?
0: Not, not specifically. I don't think so. I read something that said that them being sideways actually made it easier to Put coffins out mm.
1: yeah i i had read that they're sometimes called coffin windows as well but they're all like we don't know that if that's real either so there's like so many of these things that get passed down and no one no one can find it like where did this originate
0: <laughs> you know well, when i was doing this research right sort of these superstitions specifically this you know anti-witch architecture. I actually ended up thinking about the episode that we recorded a couple episodes ago about, you know, witches in the media and a movie and book that were both influential for me when I was growing up that I didn't mention was Roald Dahl's The Witches. Mm. And, you know, I loved Angelica Houston in the role. I of course read the book. I love Roald Dahl as an author. And I have not seen the remake yet, but even though, yeah, even though, you know, the witches are the bad guys, of course, um, you know, there there was still kind of a mysticism around them. And I liked that idea that there was like secrecy, like that they're sort of, you know, hiding amongst regular people. And of course, you know, being a child, I really wanted the purple eyes. <laughs> actually, oh, that actually reminds
1: me of this um these books that I loved in middle school, uh Tamora Pierce's novels, um uh, the the Alana novels. Um I forgot what they're called, like lioness or anyway there's but anyway it's about this um, girl it's just like it's a they're fantasy novels but she wants to be a knight and her brother wants to be a uh I don't know a scholar and so they they're twins and they switch places and she pretends to be a boy and so but it's a magical world and when she gets magic or maybe she always does but she has purple eyes and her cat familiar also has purple eyes.
0: Yeah. Song of the Lioness,
1: that's what it's called. The Song of the Lioness books. So that those were a big influence on me.
0: Yeah. I mean, the witches is one that really stuck with me. And and again, it's funny because it's not something that is particularly flattering to witches, but just, you know, like there's so much built-in fear around that word. And I very much remember the the opening of the movie you know, where the the grandma is talking about like, you know, which is this and which is that? And they have square toes and their eyes are purple and they're actually bald. So you can sort of tell sometimes if they're wearing a wig and it just, I, I don't know why I was just so very drawn in with this kind of fixation that people have on witches and trying to find out who is and who isn't a witch. And, you know, that really also gets to the heart of the you know, like the architecture to ward off witches because it's that fear of like anyone at any moment could be a witch. And I find it interesting to be doing this in the U.S. as someone who didn't grow up here because this country is so afraid of the number 13. And that was such a weird thing visiting this country like and being like, why is there no 13th floor? And I remember being a kid and being like, well, just cause you call it 14 doesn't mean it's not actually the 13th one. I remember being very annoyed at that. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um... Actually, so I I think that gets to the point that a lot of these charms against witches, because I think we both found several of them that we want to talk about, but some of them are specifically about witches and some of them are about witches and evil spirits and, you know, two or three other things that are just sort of like balled together in this malevolent force. And maybe some of them are supernatural beings that are just like, you know, the, the the Fae that live in the forest, um, but maybe there's some of them that they are your neighbors who are acting against you. Um, one of the things that I noticed was several of the things, even the modern things like the fake witches stairs, like, oh, witches can't go up these because they're uneven. It sounds a lot like vampire lore to me that, um, and the X-Files actually did a very funny vampire episode about this they brought up a lot of these things that like if you scatter seeds um the vampire has to stop and pick them all up or if you know <laughs> or if they see a knot they have to stop and untie them so it's a i forgot now i can't remember the x files episode but it's pretty famous it's a funny one uh luke wilson's in it um but that's like where Mulder decides that like the person who's dead in the morgue might be a vampire or killed by a vampire because his shoes are untied. Um, Anyway, um, but yeah, so like this, this idea that somehow evil presence and well, although obviously neither one of us thinks that witches are evil, the idea that people would have wards against witches was because they thought witches were evil. So, you know, with that caveat, but this idea that evil can be stopped by being distracted or confused is very interesting.
0: I mean, as a Virgo, I'm feeling like very attacked here. Like, oh, you dropped a bunch of seeds. Of course I have to count all of them. So like vampires and witches are just all Virgos and like, you're just making a mess and we have to stop to clean it up. That's not cool.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I'm the chaotic Pisces. (laughs) (laughs) Just scattering shit everywhere. Um... (laughs) Um, but yeah, so, and I think, you know, I think the, the, what you're talking about, the the purple eyes reminds me of the the classic, you know, the ward against um, evil eyes, um, which is the the Nazar charms, which have a variety of different names in different cultures. Um, You see them all over shops in Salem. We very briefly had a restaurant that used one as the O in its name, but I don't think that restaurant lasted six months, so I won't name it by name. Um, but you know, it's like the blue glass. It's like a blue glass circle with a white glass circle with a black dot in the middle. Um, and they're used yeah, to I ward have against. have a couple the, of
0: those that my mom okay. brought home from Greece.
1: Yeah, so um, to, to ward against the the evil eye, there's Jewish charms um, that like the, the Hamsa with um, the very stylized hand. Um, those are just sort of general wards against evil. But for a lot of people, those include witches. And I think we both, you talk about architecture against witches, I think you, we both found things about hidden in the walls. You want to go first with yours?
0: Sure, um, so I found one about hiding shoes in the walls or the ceilings and this was to muddy spells cast against the person, so it had to be like well-worn shoes and people would, when they were renovating or expanding homes, they would hide them in the like in the floors or in the walls And the idea was basically that it's an energetic dummy, that if a witch tried to curse the person, the energy would actually go towards like the wall, the shoes hidden in the wall instead of to the person. So it always has to be well-worn, you know, new shoes don't work. Mm
1: -hmm. One of the things um, that I found, this is specifically in Britain that this was um, popular, a very similar idea, but dead cats. Um, And they have found them doing architectural work, sometimes buried with like, dried out mummified like birds and mice and stuff that they put in there with the cat, often posed in like, an, uh, like they're trying to uh, like attack because the idea was that it was this spiritual protector that if the house had ne- negative energy, you know, sent towards it, the cat would fight it off. Um, and it was originally wow. thought that people would actually like, like Casco Amontillado, like bury a live cat in the walls, but that's that's, they've done research and all the ones they've found were, you know, interned post-mortem. So that's good, at least.
0: We're good, <laughs> like, good. Um, so that's that's one of the things think I of, found. Uh, yeah. I, I have no idea if you've ever watched this, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is yes. a ridiculous TV show, but there's one where like a bird gets stuck in the wall, so they throw a cat in the wall to get the bird. And then there's like three cats stuck in there. like Yeah, and then they end up with, and then they go get more cats, and they just keep throwing more cats in the wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I actually, I find
1: that show funny. I think the problem with that show is many people who love that show don't realize that the main characters are villains
0: yes right that they're you know they're supposed to be shitty terrible people and that's why they always have shitty terrible things happen to them yeah like they're not good people they're not to be emulated they are not it's funny because they're terrible
1: people and a lot of people are just like ha 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 yeah i want to be like that no you don't like no so anyway it's a little
0: yes so another thing that was sort of in walls the other thing that i found was the witch bottles Mm -hmm. Um, And that they would often be under the floorboards or over threshold. And they were generally filled with metal nails, urine, and like fingernail clippings to, you know, ward Mm -hmm. off the witch. One thing that I found was interesting, though, is that there was a specific type of German stoneware bottle that was called uh, a bellarmine or bellarmine that became famous for being used as that. So there was Mm -hmm. like a specific type of, of stoneware bottle that they were used that what, I think, for
1: this. what I think is interesting about that is that witch bottles are also often used by witches, right? Like that is a cursing mechanism. So this idea of using witchcraft against witches is fascinating. That like that that you're 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 not practicing witchcraft. This is just a charm against witches. But when the witches do exactly the same thing, then it's
0: bad. Oh, you mean people in positions of power are super hypocritical? Amazing! Yeah, I'm so I know, surprised.
1: I know it's it's a lot for me to take in, um, but it's it's very interesting. That's just like you know these the witch bottles, which very you know very similar, filled with fingernails and nails and urine, and you know that's very typical, you know, northern European witchcraft to as a protective charm or as a uh offensive charm to to attack someone specific Mm. um you also said something about chimneys what was that
0: yes so yeah before we were recording i was talking about a architectural feature that happens in the british islands of jersey and guernsey and they're called witches stones and so they basically build like you know, flagstone chimneys, and they will build them to have some flat pieces jutting out of the chimney. So it's like a little ledge. And the belief was that witches could stop to rest up on them while they were flying to their sabbats. And then you would like gain favor with that witch and perhaps she wouldn't, you know, cast evil upon you because you gave her like a little ledge to perch on. So it's like preemptive favor winning with the witches. Mm hmm.
1: So I have found an article in a, um, I found it on JSTOR and it's um, by um, William Weeks. And this says it was published online in February of 2012, but I think it's an older article and it's called The Charm Against Witches and Evil Spirits. And um, and again, I'm not sure, this is folklore. And I'm not sure where this is coming from, but it's quoting the book of William Sykes of Marsden in a, uh, it says in Groatsworth of Wit for a Penny or the Interpretation of Dreams. Um, So that that was from uh, 1849. And he is um, talking about charms to, in folklore used against witches and other, evil spirits including thieves um so um so it's interesting that like you know (laughs) that because witches that's one of the things witches were often accused of is stealing things um you know killing the cattle you know stealing things those are all like this the standard um country things that witches were accused of um and there was some um and he found this farmer and there was he had all these bits of paper and they had different charms on them and they were all written in very poor Latin. Um, the one that he quotes, uh, it's going to, it says, omnis spiritus laudat dominus mosum habe, propetus ursgat deus disipari inter inimicius. Which not all of that is real Latin. So my Latin pronunciation is terrible, but some of that is because some of those words are just straight on made up, um, <laughs> because they're basically illiterate people copying Latin from one thing to another. The basic idea is praise the Lord and have Him protect us from deadly enemies. Um, so they're they're sort of like garbled biblical passages, but. Um, so that one was for, um, for specifically for fevery against uh, for the garden, but it says I have a charm containing a similar formula which I obtained between twenty and thirty years ago from an old farmer in Pendle Forest. This district obtained considerable notoriety in the seventeenth century in connection with the trial of mistress Alice Nutter and other forms of witchcraft and belief in witchcraft still lingers there or did until quite recently among the older inhabitants. The old farmer to whom I have referred was a firm believer in witches and averred that he had seen some and that they could make themselves larger or smaller at will. He had about 20 charms of various kinds written on piece of paper by which he set great store. I managed to get two of them and the one to which I wished to refer was written in a small piece of paper in an illiterate hand. And that's um, one I just quoted. And it said, uh, for the house was intended to be placed over the door to protect the house and its, and its inmates. Um, and it said, amongst the other charms to which this old farmer had when labeled for the field, it was similar to the last described, but I have these words added, let all the cattle in this field prosper. And there was the following direction for its use appended, put in a gap. Um, so this, this, these charms are not regarded in Pendle Forest as mere curiosities. The old farmer, a short time before my interview with him, was consulted by a neighbor with reference to a cow that was seriously ill. The good man, instead of consulting a book on veterinary science, had, re- had recourse To his collection of charms. Selecting the one labeled for the house, he proceeded to the pen where the cow was and placed the potent paper over the door. This was believed to have produced the desired effect as the animal speedily recovered. So these are protections against, you know, he, he was keeping these pieces of paper as protections against witchcraft, against protections against things happening to him, but he was using them as witchcraft. You know, I mean, they were written spells on pieces of paper. And your cow is sick, well, slap this one on the door of his of his barn and he'll be fine. So I think that that was a very interesting thing that I, I dug up there.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, we've mentioned many, many times that Catholicism is very witchy, despite the fact that Catholics don't like to acknowledge that. Um, did you come across in your research uh, across the Marian marks?
1: I don't think so, no.
0: So... There's a lot of of history of, you know, carving in symbols and markings into, you know, beams and walls of buildings and homes for protection, and there was a common one that was two Vs that are slightly overlapping,
1: and Mm -hmm. it means
0: Virgo Virginium, which is, you know, Virgin of the Virgins, and it was invoking the Virgin Mary for protection, and that was a very common one.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, there's another book reference that I found from a book called Witchcraft in the Central Balkans, uh, number two, Protections Against Witchcraft um, by T.P. Vukanovich. And one of these is, I'll just read a short paragraph called Immunity Against Witchcraft. There is a popular belief that there are people who have a mark upon their body which protects them against witches, though it loses its power if a witch sees it. In Herzegovina, Such people were said to have a lucky star on their foreheads, and it is best for them to keep their caps pulled down to cover it. Among the Serbs, it is still to some extent believed that witches cannot harm anyone born on a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, or Friday, since those are, quote, masculine days, so-called because their names are of masculine gender in Serbo-Croat. So... I think this is right. we've talked about this before. <laughs> so we've talked about this before about how witch is can be a gendered term. Right. And so the the idea that in the local language those days have mas- are named masculine words. I guess Saturday and Sunday have feminine names. Um that masculinity of the day protected babies born on that day from witchcraft. And I think it's also interesting because this idea of this mark that protects you against witchcraft, then you think about like the Inquisition in you know in Western Europe because we're you know the Balkans are in Eastern Europe in Western Europe, the mark was you are a witch if we find a random mark on you. And right. so I think that that's you know, I think a lot of these things about like how to find a witch as well, which I didn't really research for this episode, but, um, or, you know, what we talked about like, you know, who gives the evil eye or something like that. There's a lot of things that like, depending on the culture, something that in one culture means someone is a witch or that someone will give you the evil eye. If you look at them a couple of countries over, that will be a protection from the very same thing.
0: Which to me just sounds like someone immigrated from country A to country B and did some of their stuff that they consider normal protective stuff and the xenophobic neighbors went like, which <laughs> you
1: know. <laughs> yeah, so who knows but it's just it's interesting that just you know okay so in Herzegovina you know having uh, a mark on your forehead means that you're protected from witchcraft whereas if you were you know in you know, Germany during the Inquisition, then you probably would have been killed. So it's, you know, it's it's interesting that um you know, I mean these things they're they're you know they're made up by humans. Um when I right. was telling when I was telling my husband about the topic of this episode when I was preparing for it, he brought up his father's story and um his his father was um born in Poland before World War II and was raised by his grandmother. And, the, you know, going to market with his grandmother, he was raised on a farm. And if a black cat crossed their path, then they would turn around and go home. But if a black, another black cat crossed their path on the way home, then they would turn around and go back to the market. It's just these random superstitions. Why does the U.S. hate the number 13? It's, we think about these things as universal and they're absolutely not.
0: Yeah, I have um, two black cats within reach right now, taking a nap. (laughs) And the thing is, you know, at the height of the witch hysteria, right? There was, once someone decided you were a witch, there was very little you could do about it. Because, you know, even here in the Salem witch trials, it's like, oh, well, you know, Goody, whoever we're accusing today was home all night. So it's like, oh, but she sent her spirit, right? And that got sent to ideas of astral projection And which is, I'm going to admit a completely like sloppy seg into uh, the idea of mind altering substances. But I think that that is something that we should also address here Mm -hmm. being that it's 420, which also then, you know, brings us all the way back around to, you know, the importance of discussing legalization, because, you know, there are, there's a disproportionate number of Black folks incarcerated for marijuana related charges, while we are here enjoying 420, you know, and I'm Sitting like four blocks away from the dispensary, right? Run by white people,
1: right? Um, yeah, I think I think that that's a good topic. Is that the um, who gets the licenses to sell legal weed is fraught, um, and um, you know I think that there's been some push that people who have har- been harmed by um, cannabis laws um, are given preferential treatment in getting li- in getting dispensary licenses, but it's, it's been a very mild push, and I don't yeah. think Massachusetts cares.
0: No, I actually proposed that to council when we were starting to figure out how many licenses Salem was going to have. I actually pointed out to council that there have been communities that have made a point of reserving a certain number of licenses for folks who have previous drug-related incarcerations and Like they basically sort of didn't acknowledge what I said. So, yeah. So, yeah,
1: it it is uh 420 I, a lot of the dispensaries are um having like carnivals basically they are you know, they have food trucks and they have giveaways and it's weird as someone who was in high school in the 80s and college in the 90s the fact that everything is legal that the fact that pots legal now is just it's weird and uh <laughs> it's um Obviously, the product is a lot better.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know that there's a like a fire twirler happening at the one near my house. And I think a trapeze artist too. It's it's a whole thing. This also to me has very interesting, there's a very interesting discussion to be had about the use of, you know, mind-altering substances and in psychotropics in, in witchcraft. Because, you know, in, in the 70s, 60s and 70s, when you know, drug culture was sort of booming, people weren't getting high just to get high. I mean, there was plenty of that, but this was around the time of the hippies and a search for for expansion of the mind, right? And basically it was uh, white people stealing mind altering ceremonies from indigenous folks and, you know, trying to go on their own journeys and, and often having very bad trips in the process
1: because they didn't have the ritual structure behind them they just had the stru- the substance
0: right you know and that's that's a very interesting thing you know like ayahuasca is not is not legal in the US even in ceremonial use ayahuasca is legal in Brazil for ceremonial use um i've i have not tried it yet but my cousin actually needs ayahuasca ceremonies back in rio because like the vines grow nearby and you are allowed to make it for ceremonial use. And so it's just very, it is very interesting because these used to be part of indigenous ceremonies and then white folks come along and ban them. And then you end up with a bunch of white folks who have drug problems, like people in New Hampshire struggle with an opioid crisis because they're doing drugs because they're bored. (laughs) Yeah. But
1: yeah, so I think that, I mean, obviously there's a lot of herbs that are used for um, for a lot of things that even, you know, for mind-altering substances for ritual purposes, but also just herbs that would be used in medicine that because they have been used or abused, you know, they're no longer used. Um, like for herbalists, you know, you can't grow poppies for, to make your own, you know, you know, poppy juice, um, because, you know, that's harvesting, you know, opioids. Um, oh, and, yeah. you know, <laughs> and, and there's there's ways that you can make very light doses of painkillers. Um, if you, you know, if you're an herbalist, you know what you're doing, but it's illegal to use any of it at all. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of uh, on the fence, whether it's legal to grow poppies in your garden or not, are different types of poppies, but the specific um, opium poppies, um, it's a little bit on the fence, whether it's legal or not. Um, And because I've looked this up online, I absolutely should not be growing opium poppies in my yard because one of the defenses about it is if you are innocently growing them because they're beautiful flowers, then there's nothing to charge you on. But if you have knowledge that they can be used to create opioids then that is something that they can use to charge you um
0: but yeah so, so yeah so now your google history will condemn you <laughs> yeah but um you know when i when i published my my book my you know on introduction to shamanic journeying i did not mention the use of like psychotropic plants in my book and I, I actually got a bad review about it how you know i didn't include that and i i I thought for me, that it would have been very irresponsible as an author to just be like, oh, here's a bunch of mind-altering substances that you can do. Here's how you brew this at home and just put that in the hands of anybody with no supervision. I, you know, I would never do that, but that doesn't mean that I'm not, that I don't use them in my own practice. And that's something that we haven't discussed. And I, you know, in like, as far as Hellenic paganism, you know, there's, plenty of information out there about Dionysus and wine, but I don't know anything else about any sort of mind altering substance use in Hellenic paganism. Is that part of your tradition?
1: Not specifically that, that comes to mind. I think one of the big things that is, um, was, it wasn't known that it wasn't like a plant, but people, most people are familiar with the Oracle of Delphi that, you know, that, or Delphi, um, but the, you know that the priestesses sit and they give these garbled messages and then someone translates them. Those famous people came from all over, you know that part of the world to talk to these oracles. Um, and they were, um, they were dedicated to Apollo and Dionysus depending on what time of year it was. Um, but they were, their temple was over a crack in the rock. That had some sort of toxic gas that came out of it, and I'm forgetting which toxic gas it was right now. But they were tripping, um, <laughs> like so, like these famous oracles that they weren't. It wasn't like they were brewing a special tea or something like that. It wasn't an herb, but it was. It was like sulfur dioxide or something. Like it was like it was a very toxic substance that you don't want to mess with. Um, but they had figured out over, you know, the centuries that they had this temple there that, that was, that was active, um, you know, how long the oracles could stay in the room, basically, before passing out. Um, and that's, that's how their most famous oracles were done, was under this influence of this toxic gas. Um, it was actually, it came up in a conversation just Yesterday, maybe, and the point was made that there are stories that the um, that the Pythia, the oracles, that they tended to die young, um, possibly because they were poisoned <laughs> by you know by this gas. Um, but yeah, so I don't think that there's there's nothing I can think of right now that's like a specific um, mind altering substance that was taken, other than you know obviously other than wine. Um, there probably was. But I haven't, um, I haven't researched into it heavily. I tend to myself have very atypical reactions to all sorts of substances, um, whether it's prescribed by a doctor or it's an herb. I have weird reactions, so it's not something that I um, I gravitate to because I I worry about side effects. Like even I remember this was years ago, a friend of mine was just like, Oh, I've been making this tea. It makes me so blissed out and happy. And it was like, it was like lavender and it was basically lavender lemonade. I forgot what the other herb was in it, but it's like not dangerous at all. Like it's like very basic. And so I was like, okay, sure. I will try making some of this myself it made me so irrationally angry like you know me like i don't show my temper like i don't uh, no <laughs> that's that's just not and i was just like i had a glass of this and i was just like i want to put my fist through a wall um st john's wort has had very bad reactions for me <laughs> so i'm just i'm i'm very cautious about and even if it's just like a normal herb that you can buy at the health food store I am very cautious about it, so I I don't actually do a lot of research into, you know what herbs I can take that will help me reach altered states because um, yeah, I'm worried.
0: That's fair that that is totally fair. Um, I I can't say I have a ton of experience with them myself, but I've definitely, you know, my tradition definitely has some of that, you know, brewing potions that have slightly psychotropic properties. I've definitely seen that in sort of a lot of, you know, more Wiccan-esque circles, um, you know, in addition to the you know, more shamanic spaces, but it's, it's very strange to have, right, that piece of, of practice be also illegal. And I say that fully realizing that I only experience a very slight drop of what that is, given that it was, you know, illegal for so many indigenous groups to practice their religions for so long, and you know, even witchcraft was still illegal when Lori Cabot started here.
1: Yeah, I'm. Uh, I just uh, I was just looking up, like, you know, so psychoactive drugs in ancient Greece. Evidently, cannabis <laughs> um, was was one of them, uh, according to just um, reading this real briefly um uh used by Asclepius who is um one of the big um he's he's actually kind of a demigod um he's a child of Apollo but he's uh started the first uh healing temples um
0: right it's it's the staff of a of Asclepius or whatever fucking Asclepius yeah yeah so it's the rod of Asclepius where you see the you know like the snake around the rod and that's the like right. the doctor symbol well unlike the caduceus
1: peeve. which is different yes, a pet peeve of mine because the american medical association uses the caduceus which has two snakes and is the staff of hermes who is a messenger not a doctor so the nurses actually use the correct staff <laughs> <laughs> um and also just like i said i'm doing a, a brief uh, internet search as we talk and um opium was of course also very popular in uh, Egypt, Greece, Rome, that whole area. They um, they had trade with, um, with Eastern countries that grew the opium more easily, and it was popular. People love opioids. <laughs> of course, it was much less strong at that point. Um, it could still kill you if you took too much, but um, over the last 30 years, Actually, probably over the last hundred years since the invention of heroin, which was invented as a cure for cocaine addiction. So, oh, good luck. OK. Cures you by making you more addicted to something worse. And Bayer invented it like Bayer Aspirin that we all know, the, the German pharmaceutical company. Bayer brand heroin in Victorian times was going to cure you of your cocaine addiction. Um, so I'm sure it worked for some people. Um <laughs> But, um, but, you know, since that time, we've just been kind of, and it's really ramped up in the past 30 years of making it stronger and stronger and stronger. And then we say, why are all these people addicted?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's true of, you know, sort of all recreational drugs, right? I mean, like the weed of today is not the weed of 30, 40, 50 years ago. Right you know the discussion of whether or not to use psychotropics in magical work i feel like is one that's constantly happening and i you know i feel like the answer is the same as it is for so many things like yes it's a really powerful tool and you can use it if you're doing it respectfully right because no amount of you getting high off of anything is going to give you spiritual enlightenment if you're not approaching it through that lens right and doing sort of the right ritual work around it So, yeah, I think that, you know, obviously intent has a big part of it. Like,
1: you know, why do you, why are you doing this? Even like, you know, with, with modern hallucinogens, if you're using, you know, MDMA in a, um, you know, in a clinical study to cure your depression, that is very different than, you know, taking Molly at a club, you know, that's, (laughs) (laughs) it's theoretically the same thing, but, you know, you can only be sure when you with in one of those cases uh the club drugs are probably meth
0: um <laughs> whatever happened to glue sniffing I remember there were so many PSAs about glue sniffing when I was like eight years old and the dangers of glue sniffing I think they I, reformatted the glue is that what I was gonna say like yeah. I never actually saw any glue being sniffed no one ever has offered me in my whole life any glue to sniff like Yeah, it was, um, was basically it was airplane glue, like to make model airplanes,
1: and Mm -hmm. it had some sort of volatile compound in it. I remember when I was in high school, in art class, they made a switch from using uh, regular rubber cement to mount our images to using this new type of rubber cement that we couldn't get high off of, um, that did not work. (laughs) You'd like use it to like hold up your artwork and it would just fall off. Which I think is kind of, that's you know, one of the things like people abuse these things. And then the thing that they were, that it actually worked really well for, you need to now find something else that is kind of a half-assed version of it because they can't get you high. Um, But yeah, like, I mean, people still huff paint. I mean, I've seen people like, you know, in Boston that are clearly huffing paint out of a paper bag. So, I mean, I know people who like, They would go to a store and look for anything that says like, you know, toxic using a well ventilated room. And they would take that warning label as a sign they could get high off of it. That seems like a healthy way to make choices. You
0: know, I, there are parts of Massachusetts. (laughs) Yeah. I think that to me, the, you know, the important message that I hope people get, you know, especially, you know, today is April 20th when we're recording, this is not going to air for a few days, but, you know, living in this time that we're living in. Uh, you know, watching in very real time, horrible injustice happening against people of color, Black folks, especially especially when it comes to drug charges on a day like today, you know, in, when we have how many states now that have legalized marijuana is to sort of, you know, realize that we can't just sort of sit back and enjoy that and be like, yes, yeah, so I'm going to go buy my legal joint now. It's like, well, That's fine. You can do that. But if you're a practicing witch, you also have a responsibility to be fighting for, you know, the release of people that are still incarcerated. You have to be fighting for, you know, reparations for those people, making sure that they are able to live, you know, productive, safe lives and not be weighed down by a drug conviction, you know, while we're all sitting here smoking our weed with complete impunity.
1: Right. And I mean, there are plenty of places in the U.S. that it is still illegal and it's still illegal on a federal level. Like you can still go to federal prison for possession if someone wants to bother, you know, pressing charges against you, Um, which is why here in Massachusetts, you know, transactions are all cash based and you can use a uh, an ATM card, but you cannot use a credit card. Um, So um, because the banks won't handle it or something, it's
0: but you know what? Something about that actually just changed today specifically. Yeah, so the house actually just passed a cannabis banking bill today.
1: We'll see what happens
0: in the Senate. Yeah, the house passed a bill on Monday that would allow banks and financial institutions to work canna- to work with cannabis businesses. It was approved in a 321 to 101 vote. And so now it's heading to the Senate.
1: So they've got a a good amount of Republicans to vote for it because I mean, Republicans like weed too,
0: Um. right? Um, And they also like a lot of gay porn even if they don't want to admit it. But you know, that's the thing. You know, these are things that are good for the economy. But I, I still hope that we don't lose sight of the fact that we can't just you know push for all this legalization of weed because white people really want to be able to smoke it and not. Take the appropriate measures to, you know, help the people that are incarcerated over it that shouldn't be.
1: Right. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's it's obviously a huge issue, and we're making progress very slowly on it. Um, and as you said, this Salem City Council didn't really care about um, prioritizing those people who had been harmed with licenses. Other places, I think Boston has prioritized them. Um, to some extent, but, you know, it's a kind of a a location by location issue. And um, yeah, but I mean, it is better. As soon as Massachusetts made um, possession a misdemeanor rather than a felony, it did take away some police power. Because before if they smelled pot smoke they could search your car they could arrest you on the spot just for that when it was made a misdemeanor that power was gone away that drug trial i said that i was on they Mm -hmm. arrested them the two people they wouldn't have they wouldn't have been arrested today because they arrested them in the foyer of um, or there isn't one of them in the foyer of his apartment building. And they found like two plastic bags that had like dust of marijuana in it. It wasn't even like anything smokable, And they used that as a pretense to arrest him and search his apartment where they found the cocaine. So that whole arrest would not have been possible today. I strong, I still strongly feel that the cops planted those bags on him because why would someone carry that? Um, But the defense never put that forward as a... a The defense never questioned that the the pot bags weren't his. So I didn't feel like as a jury member, I could really push that. But I was just like, the defense tried to say that the $3,000 on him was planted by the cops, but not the empty baggies of weed. Like, I don't believe a Boston cop carries around 3000 in cash to frame someone. I absolutely believe a Boston cop carries around empty plastic bags that have traces of drugs in them. Like that, that sounds totally plausible, Um, but. I can't disagree with your logic here. um, But yeah, so like that whole arrest wouldn't have happened today because possession's not a crime and you can't arrest someone and you can't search their apartment and you can't make all these other steps for possession of marijuana. So I think that just those steps have helped things, you know, They're finding new reasons to arrest people randomly, but that's another subject.
0: Like air fresheners, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, we are just about getting to our hour. And, you know, speaking of uh, trials and all that. I may or may not be stuck in jury duty for the next three weeks. So there is a chance that we, we will be uh, skipping one upcoming episode. So you might hear from us again in two weeks. It might be four weeks, depending on how that goes. So if you don't hear from us in a couple weeks, it's because I am stuck in jury duty. <laughs> but you can still send us a message on Instagram
1: just to say hi. Um, yeah, I, I also have a lot of. Um, a lot of my real world work that I need to uh, focus on. So taking a little break will be good for my mental health as well. Uh, One less thing on my plate. I love you guys, but uh, sometimes sometimes I need to make decisions.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you everyone for joining us. We hope that you've been enjoying these episodes that are a little more casual, you know, for us it's really fun to have a more structured episodes with our guests and to have some time where we just get to, to talk. So, you know, give us some feedback. Let us know what you think. Send us an email at, askawitch at witchcitywitches.com, Connect with us on Instagram at whichcitywitches. And if there are any topics that you'd like us to discuss, or if you have any amazing witches that you'd like us to interview, drop us a note. Even if that amazing witch is you. You can, you can suggest
1: yourself as a guest. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: So thank you, everyone. Bye, everyone.